as you walk through the valley of the shadow of hell, you will realize that there is something ahead. Something that lurks behind the dark veil. A veil that is beyond our own comprehension. What's up, guys, and welcome back to Beyond the Void Core Podcast. That's where I. It's Bach. He's got like you got like a German accent. There I know. <laughs> I am German, so. Oh, are you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like ninety-seven percent. So, really? Yeah. Wow, that's rare. Yeah. But dad, seriously, everybody's a mutt these days. My dad's one hundred percent German. Huh. Well, Josh is here with us. Brittany's going to be out for this week, as you already knew. Uh, if you already listened to Monday's episode that we put up, that's up now if you want to check it out. But today is Thursday, and we are going to be doing a hot, fresh, sexy new episode for you. Ooh. And we're <laughs> and we're going to continue with the Stephen King thing, I guess. But yeah, we're going to be doing more Stephen King. We decided that we, you know, we went violent shit last week and we thought well maybe we should kind of tone it down a little bit so we decided to watch something a little bit more mainstreamy and that would be pet cemetery one and two Yay. which you've read the book right i have not read the book um, oh okay i get all my stuff through audible and audible does not have the book really which is kind of shocking but i went on like amazon and they only had like cassette tapes oh okay which i'm like i don't own a cassette tape player so yeah that's weird yeah um uh, but anyway uh but yeah guys so we're going to be talking about pet cemetery 1 and 2 as i mentioned britney is sick uh with strep throat unfortunately mm. which i told her stay away stay away you beast <laughs> don't bring that you sick monster but yeah, she thought it'd be best that uh, we not get sick. So thank uh, you, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah. But Josh is filling in for us. So is anything new with you? Is it, since we did the it review? Because he Josh was on with us for the it review. Yes, I was. I which was, was a lot of fun. It was awesome. I had so much fun. Yeah. So, but have you done anything since then, or anything I'm, cool? I'm doing the same thing I did last time. I'm house sitting and Breathing. watching a dog. Oh yeah, that's right. You extended it. I extended it. Hey, um, money, money, money. Yeah, gotta make that green. Um, <laughs> But not really. I'm just working. I've been working uh, a lot since we're taking this trip coming up here. Okay. So I've just been working days straight. So I'm just like tired. I'm like, yeah, it's almost over. Well, first of all, I do want to mention that I did. We did actually do a few things this week. I've just been we we were preparing for the the trip and everything like that. So it was a lot of work. We're actually recording this a little bit early so that we can have it done before we get back. Uh, but we'll have already returned by this time. So you won't even know. Yeah. Be like a thief in the night. <laughs> Just take it. <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been watching a lot of different movies. I've been watching a lot of TV shows. We've been watching that Leah Remini uh, show about Scientology and the aftermath. Oh, I saw the article. I read Dude, article. that, that shit's crazy, crazy yeah. man. Like, I mean, I want to take it with a grain of salt, but it's kind of hard. 
Lord. Yeah. You know, with as much proof as they have, it just seems like this flowing amount of proof that Scientologists are pretty fucking scary. Yeah. Well, not necessarily that Scientologists are, but the guy in charge of Scientology. Is that Hubbard? No, L. Ron Hubbard was the guy who started it. Oh, okay. There's another guy that's in charge who's like supposedly like super angry. Ooh. But if you guys haven't seen this show, it's a reality TV show, and they kind of like uncover all these different stories from people who have left Scientology. It's really fucking fascinating, and it's like totally like a cult. Like if you've ever seen the show called The Path that was on Hulu, it's very similar in a lot of ways. Uh, only they don't like grow vegetables and weird <laughs> shit. But uh, yeah, dude, if you get a chance, guys, check that shit out. It's fucking awesome. Um, but other than that, I think it might be time for us to jump into the flesh and potatoes of this week. And that will be Pet Cemetery. Ooh, dead things, Mikey, dead things. One and two. So buckle the fuck up because we're going to go riding down to the cemetery. All right, guys, we're back. We're going to go ahead and jump in order with Pet Cemetery 1, which came out in 1989. It was actually April 21st. Paramount Pictures put it out. It actually had a budget of $11.5 million, and it was a huge success at the box office. They made $57.5 million on the whole movie worldwide, I believe. Just opening weekend alone, it made the budget. Oh, nice. $12 million it made on opening weekend. So That's really good. Huge success. More than I think anybody expected it. You know, everybody was like, I never thought. That would make a good movie. Right. Yeah. First of all, it was directed by Mary Lambert, who is a huge music video person. She she actually got her fame. Well, she became very popular when she did Like a Virgin okay, for Madonna. Madonna. Yeah. And she also did, you know, she continued on her career doing more music videos other than movies. She did Janet Jackson's Nasty. Ooh, nasty. Nasty. Nasty girl. Uh, Are you a nasty girl? Yes, I am. <laughs> uh, she also did Urban Legends, Bloody Mary, the movie. Oh, okay. And this I want, this one is a little weird to me, but she did Mega Python versus Gate, Gatoroid. You cannot go wrong with Mega in front of any right. animal. This must have been like a sci-fi movie or something, but... Yeah, made for TV, probably. Surprisingly, this is an original story by Stephen King. Who'd have thunk? Yeah, really. <laughs> but he also did the he did the book back in like 82. Okay. He put it on the shelf, you know, for a long fucking time because yeah. he just wasn't sure what people would think of it. But we'll get more into that later. But he also wrote the screenplay for this. Part of the, the, the stipulancy for him making this or signing off on a big budget picture was that he wanted to have it done in Maine. Okay. And he wanted to be the screenplay writer. Okay. And because what was happening at the time, I guess, was all of his movies were ending up in Los Angeles. Oh, so he didn't want to have to go all the way across the country to... Well, he just didn't like the the setting of it in general. The the feel, I guess, yeah. Yeah. Maine's got a better feel than Los Angeles. Totally. It's what he envisions when he writes. Yeah. But uh, the story, first of all, I didn't even go over what the story's about. The story is the Creeds have just moved into a new house in the countryside. Their house is perfect, except for 
two things. The semi-trailers that the roar past the narrow road and the mysterious cemetery in the woods behind the house for pets. The Creed's neighbor are reluctant to talk about the cemetery for good reason, too. Yeah. Over there, there's a pet cemetery. Yeah. Over there. Over there, yeah. Well, we're going over there. <laughs> I love that accent. I know, dude. It's so good. I can't do it perfectly, but I, <laughs> Christina laughs when I do it. She hates when I do voices. <laughs> the producer of this movie was Richard Rubenstein, who was a producer on the new, uh, well, the old Dawn of the Dead, plus the remake. Both good movies. Yep, I like them both. Uh, he also did Tales from the Dark Side movie and the show. He produced a lot of those. I like he those did movies too. The Martin, Day of the Dead, Creep Show 1 and 2, and lots of Romero and Stephen King, basically. Okay. Lots of that kind of stuff. The cast that we had in this movie was Dale Midkiff. He was kind of a popular 80s actor. kind of actor. Yeah. He played Lewis Creed. Uh, he was in a movie called Time Tracks, Nightmare Weekend. Love Potion number nine that came out in the 90s, I believe. Yeah. The Crow Salvation, Flight of the Living Dead, and Route 66. I tried to pick some of the more, you know, horror-themed ones. I love Flight of the Living Dead. That was really good. Yeah, it's actually not bad. I've had that for a while. They, I thought it had a different name change, though. It was called Flight something or another, and they wanted it to be more zombie-themed. Yeah. So... Uh, also, you have Denise Crosby, who we talked about in our Miracle Mile movie. She was in, well, her, she plays Rachel Creed. She was in Miracle Mile, like I just said, Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation, Deep Impact, Mortuary, and Dolly Dearest. Also, Fred Gwynn from The Munsters is in it. He plays Judd. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away in 93. But he was famously known for the monsters. That was probably his pinnacle yeah, of Herman, like Herman Mustard. Yeah, every family watched that shit on TV. Oh yeah, it was like the Adams family. Yeah, you know. Also, they had he was in My Cousin Vinny, Fatal Attraction as well. So, amongst many others, some very old ones that you may not know. But I figured these were kind of within the genre. Also, it stars Brad Greenquist, who plays Pascal. He was in Annabelle Creation, The Cursed. Lost Souls, Stephen King's The Golden Years. He did one episode. He also did an uh, episode in Monsters and the movie The Chair, which what, was from 88. Hmm? What was he in um, Annabelle? I don't know. That's what I was trying to figure out. I, yeah, I, he must have played a bit part or maybe like one of the older, like the dad or something. Something. I'm trying to remember. I'm like, okay, um, who was he? <laughs> right. Yeah, I couldn't think of it either, man. Also, it stars Miko Hughes, who plays Gage Creed. Creepy. Who's the little boy? He was in Apollo 13. He was also in Wes Craven's The New Nightmare, Spawn, Kindergarten Cap. So big ones there. Yeah. Uh, also, it stars Blaze and Bo Berdahl, who played Ellie because they were two twins. They were twins, okay. uh, both a minute apart in age. But they use twins because, you know, the, a lot of the strict laws that, you know, you're only allowed to work with a child on set for like four or five hours. Yeah, there's a limitation. You can't just yeah. push them eight hour day. Go. So instead of like trying to shift their schedule around and doubling the cost of their time, they basically just. All right. Tap into a number two. Go. Yeah. Here you go. And go. And go. It's like, yeah, but I think it's like four or five hours. I'm not 100 percent. Also, Blaze, one of the twins, was known best for the TV show Ghost Rider. Plus, apparently, she's a rapper. All right. But they were both in a movie called String. Oh, Strong Island Boys. So I don't know. I haven't seen that. It's, a, it's an independent film. 
Plus, Stephen King also does his own cameo in it as a priest or a pastor. I'm not sure which one it was. He's a priest. Right. What are your thoughts on this movie, though? I, I, loved, I loved it. I thought it was entertaining. It's a lot of fun questionable decisions being made throughout the whole movie i'm just like right what? like why, why would you, you do that <laughs> seriously what are you thinking what's wrong with you people just a great story just um cool history like the ancient indian burial ground that's involved yeah kind of mumbled there but um did you like the acting in it did you think it was okay or i liked fred gwynn's acting he was really good he's absolutely he's always good and his boston accent was just just phenomenally fun just Anytime I listen to a Stephen King book and the person's doing the Boston accent, I'm just like, that's so awesome. I love that accent. <laughs> um, but yeah, the acting's really good. Um, all the characters are really good. And they're not characters that are like forgettable or ones that you don't really take an interest into. Most of the characters are really good, um, have good stories and stuff like that. And you're kind of invested in the character. Right. So, yeah. Do you think it's a one of the better stephen king movies do you think it's yeah i put it up there as one of the better stephen king movies probably top, yeah. top i was gonna say five but i go ten because there's some better like green mile Shaw- oh yeah shawshank, shawshank and stuff yeah. like the misery well how about horror oh about oh, the horror i put it in the top five of the king horror i think so i'm i'm around the same area yeah i thought it was a it's a very cool very good adaptation of stephen king you could tell that he was like closely involved. Uh, there was a lot of details, and in, in from the book translation to the movie, there were a few changes from the book. I've heard. I haven't read the book myself, but I have heard that the details in this movie are insane. Yeah, like they did so many different things to try to fit and match it. Yeah, I thought the overall tone of the movie was really good. I don't think all the actors were necessarily good, but there was two at least two characters or actors who were just like without them this movie wouldn't be as good yeah and my personal opinion that's fred gwynn and miko hughes who plays gage yeah those two actors if you know i mean he was a little kid it just worked out i mean but he did a really good job yeah he doesn't even remember the goddamn movie making (laughs) it you know what i mean he was so fucking young but fred gwynn over (laughs) fucking it it works hey there lewis uh Seems we got ourselves a spot of trouble. We got a spot of trouble over here. <laughs> yeah. Might like, want to come over here and found us a dead cat. You want a beer? Yeah. You need a cup? You need a glass for that? Yeah. Oh, good. Good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like My you're a real of, man. You're I a get real it. Man. You drink it drink <laughs> straight out of the bottle. <laughs> it does deal with something that I think we all deal with and can relate to, so I think that's what hits the nerve uh, a little bit. You know, we deal with life and the inevitability of our untimely or just death yeah which is something we all pretty much grow to fear uh as we get older it seems like it probably is you either accept it or you don't or you start to fear it or whatever i don't know how i'm gonna be or how i feel but i'm definitely more aware of it yeah as i'm older now i've accepted it really yeah i'm just like i'm gonna die you're like light it up motherfuckers when (laughs) when i die just kick me into the side of the road let the coyotes have me i'm dead you're the guy that walks into the blast when the nuclear yep. war happens. My arms outstretched, uh, just like Jesus posed. Light it, it up! Let's do this thing! <laughs> uh, I also feel like this uh, movie it has the ability, you know, having the ability to be able to shortcut death is kind of very, it's like an interesting concept because it's like, 
our time with our loved ones is so short anyway. Yeah. There's really never enough time that you could spend with something that you care and put so much love into. Yeah. So it it, it definitely pulls on the heartstrings for a lot of people, the, the book as well as the uh, movie. Yeah. And I think they do a pretty good job of that in there. But, you know, it's appealing to try to shortcut death, but at what cost? That's yeah. kind of the, the moral of the story here. It's essentially the tale of... It's like a tale or, I guess, a moral of yeah. don't fuck with fate or fate will fuck you, Yeah, essentially. some Actually, it, it's loosely based off the monkey's paw. Oh, I saw that a long time ago. Do you remember ago. that? It's been a long time since I've seen that. If you guys... Well, there's actually... It's, it's like a story. Yeah. I read it. I remember reading it in like... It was either like... It was an early piece that I read. Like, early. Was but it, it, it's about a guy who... It's, a, it's like a father and a son, and like the son finds a monkey's paw Is that if you rub wishes? you get three wishes okay and you can wish for anything that you want and they all come true but they all are twisted somehow i'm thinking of the simpsons episode the treehouse of horror they did the, they yeah did the they, monkey paw thing. it's that's based off that of. yeah okay that's um, what I was thinking of. there was like i think there was like a like a wish that he had he wanted all this money and so when he wishes for all this money like thousands of bags of gold fall on him and kill him <laughs> So that's an example of why, you know... Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, careful what you wish for. It may not always be what you think. Yeah. Which is a perfect story for this, yeah. you know? I think this is a really good movie. I was really, I really enjoyed watching it. I watched part two, and we'll get more into that. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I don't want to hate on it, but it, like we've got some interesting views on yeah. that, so you'll want to stick around for that. I think... Um like if you're a parent or something like that, or like animal lover, right? it's going to really tug on your heartstrings because i'm a single they cover every base yeah i'm a single adult male that has no children i have no pets so i kind of felt that it really wasn't something that's gonna just grab me by the feels and be like hey come over here but I, I can see somebody that has kids that the stuff that happens is just can be like heart-wrenchingly terrifying and something you probably think about or worry about as an apparent or like an animal lover. There's a lot of different types of death tropes yeah. in this movie there that people deal with. I mean, there's like the character Zelda, who's the old woman yeah. who um, Denise Crosby plays the, the, she was her sister. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was her older sister. Yeah. Like really older. Yeah. She looked, she looked like 20, 30 years older yeah, than she her. Was, she was like eight. Yeah. <laughs> Her daughter or her sister was the main character was eight. That was a part in the movie that I know a lot of people were really freaked out about. Yeah. And if you haven't seen the movie, guys, I'll try to break this down for you just a little bit to kind of make better sense of it. A family from Chicago moves to Maine and they're trying to like start a new life, have a family and not worry about the big city life. They just want to relax. And like he's a doctor I forget what she does. I don't. I think she's just a mom. I don't think she had a career or anything. I thought like, she did. If she did, they didn't really show anything about it. She well, was he's always a, yeah, that's true. Because he came to they came to Maine because he got a position at the teaching school or something. It was a school of medicine type thing. Okay. Where he was a yeah, he doctor, was at the the college or whatever. Yeah, yeah. medicine college. Medicine but he college. was also a a, a doctor. Yeah, he was like a doctor. on the side too. Yeah. 
So he like helped people out and was like always helping. And that's what essentially happens. They move into this old house. They meet the neighbor immediately who is played by Fred Gwynn. His name is Judd in the movie. So they meet Judd and Judd's like telling him about how busy the road is. There's like he's like, oh, there's trucks that come by here just pretty regularly. They come here day and night. And you, you see know? that constantly. You just hear the truck going. Right Dude, down it's the scary. Road. Yeah. I'm like, build a fence. Dude, like, there's a scene in the movie where fucking the dad walks across the street to Judd's, and, like, the truck goes by, and you could tell that he probably did it a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> because he was just, like, so not scared of it. Yeah, like, like if I saw that barreling down the road, I, it was like a tanker. I would have been running. Yeah, I would have been a little bit, like, off, not near the road at all. Yeah. Yeah, that I would just picture it in my mind, like skidding into stuff and then like rolling over me and blowing <laughs> up and killing my family. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he goes over there. He talks to this guy. I forget they have a conversation about the pet cemetery early on. He's like, "What's that path?" And it's he, the um the little girl, the mom. She sees the path. She's like, "Oh, what's that path go to?" And he's like, "Oh, I'll tell you about that later." Yeah. Well, that's a good story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. So. so then they come over and he's like, he comes over. And oh, he's he shows like, them the next day. Yeah. The next day he's like, let's go. And they go on a hiking trip up to the path to the pet cemetery. Yeah. And he says that to the kid. He says to the little girl, because it's his family. It's a father, a mother. There's their really young child. And they're like six or eight year old yeah, daughter. She's, she's like, uh, she's pretty young. Just like four or five or six. Yeah. Somewhere she's got to be like six or something, yeah. but they go down to this pet cemetery and he goes in and he was like, Hey Ellie to the little girl. And he's like, do you know what this is? This is a pet cemetery. You know what they do here? It's where the dead talk. Yeah, and she's like, oh. <laughs> it's like, that's not something you say to the kid. Yeah. And you can see the parents like get a little frustrated with yeah, him. Kind of like eyeing out of the corner of their eye. They're like, what the crap? Yeah. Are don't you scare her, her. Yeah. But I guess they're like, oh, well, you're just an old fuck. Yeah. Crazy old coot. Yeah. He's just an old feller, you know. But anyway, so he, he they talk about the barrier uh, a little bit in there, don't they? Like, don't they point it out? Yeah. He's like, what's beyond that? You know, oh, like, well, yeah, don't worry about that. Don't, don't worry about that. Just stay here. And... So they have also a cat. Winston Churchill. We have Winston Churchill, which is this gray, yellow-eyed cat. And they call it church. Yeah, they call it church. And the beginning of the movie, I also forget that Gage, uh, the little boy, he's like a toddler. He like tries to walk across the road as a truck's coming and Fred Gwynn picks him up. He's like, oh, you don't want to be in the road there, little fella. Yeah, I think that's how they first meet him. Right. And they're like, oh, my God, thank you. Yeah. Oh, my God. We didn't look. But um, they've been there for like a week or two or whatever. And uh, the father gets like a, a call on a on a guy who's like gotten hit in a car accident he was like hit by a truck yeah he was running and he got hit by a truck uh, which is to further push the the fact that people die by these trucks a lot yeah so he gets hit by the truck his head's like exposed his brain is and he's on the table and all of a sudden he has this weird kind of supernatural moment yeah with the father who's a doctor and he's like don't go Beyond the threshold, or what did he say? He he first said the soil of man's heart is stonier. That's right, Lewis. Don't go beyond the threshold, the barrier, or whatever. And he's like, "How do you know my name?" And starts yelling at him because he called him by his first name, and it's the first time he's ever seen right. the father. So he's kind of like freaking out, and he tells him, "Don't go beyond the barrier." And he's like, "What the crap?" Which sets the whole sort of supernatural element in the in motion. 
Yeah. Like, this isn't just, oh, about a cemetery. This is about, like, a whole thing. Like, this is, like, the spirit world and all kinds of shit happen. Yeah, there are ghosts involved in this. Right. I bet you even, like, the first season of American Horror Story probably pulled a little bit from that. Yeah. Because that's a very physical kind of season, if you've ever seen the first season. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I watched that. <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it's been a while for like me, too. But but anyway, so basically, it's just kind of weird and, and kind of off-putting a little bit. He goes to bed that night after this guy dies, and he has a dream about this guy. Yeah. Or so he thinks. And this Pascal guy further warns him not to go beyond the threshold. He's like, I know it's going to be tempting, and I know you're going to want to, Lewis, but trust me. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's only going to end up for you poorly. You just need to listen to me. Fast forward a little bit. The cat gets hit by a truck this time. And that's when he's like, you got a spot of trouble here on the, on the side of the road. Ed. You know, what are you, a cat? I, uh... So he goes over, peels it off the ground. Yeah, because there was frost and it was stuck to the ground. Right, which I kind of laughed at a little bit. Yeah, it was kind of. I made a video on Instagram about it. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> he was like, so what are you going to do with it as he's putting it in the bag? And he's, I was like, I don't know, maybe put some sticks on its legs, make a cat <laughs> puppet show or something. Daughter, <laughs> daughter will never know the difference. Well, you can see that Fred Gwynn's character, Judd, is chewing back what he wants to say because he knows that the daughter is going to be really upset Yeah, because they've had that um they had that conversation where they were talking about the cat dying right and she went to her dad and she was like god can't have my cats my cat god get his own damn cats my cat right and just went off on her dad about that and so fred Gwynn's character knows that she is really attached because she had brought it up before about the cat dying and he couldn't bear letting her know what death is that early something that early as a child. Right. Of course, you know, he tells him about, oh, uh, well, Dad, you know, this is uh, something behind the threshold I want to show you. Yeah. We could go bury it, you know. Because they're, they're trying to figure out whether or not they tell the the little girl that the dog is dead, or the cat is dead. <laughs> the dog. dog. Uh, the cat is dead, so they go up behind this fucking, uh, what do they call it? A deadfall? It's like a deadfall, yeah. It's a bunch of trees and stuff that yeah, it's block all, the path. Yeah, it's a trees. Like a, it's where all these, they, they kind of live near a logging area, so they cut down a lumber yard. Uh, and they cut down trees, and they like all the like leftover debris gets th- into these piles, yeah. And they call them deadfalls. So they climb over this deadfall, which is really high too. Yeah, it's really high, and and if you actually look into it and in, like the history of deadfalls, most people stay the fuck away from them. Yeah, because even animals could die in these things. You could fall right into the middle of it and can't get out. Right, they get they get they just die. Yeah. So it's kind of a source of death in a way. So they climb over death essentially, and go up to this Indian burial ground called the Micmac Cemetery. Micmac Paddy Yeah, Whack. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking the whole time. Micmac Paddy But it's a, it's a real tribe, yeah. apparently. Uh, they went up there. They buried the cat, and he tells them, you, oh, he's like, oh, you got to bury your own. That's yeah. how the Indians did it. And that was a long trek, too, just for a cat. Right. Because they got the cat in the morning. By the time they got up there to bury it, it was nighttime. And by the time we got back, it was like early morning. I was like, oh my goodness, this isn't even worth it. Well, because the ground, the soil was stonier. Oh, that's right. It was harder. Yeah. Gotcha. Because the first thing he does is Lewis, the dad, and Judd are up there. And he's like, you bury your own, you know. So he starts using a pickaxe and he hits it on the ground and it looks like it sparks. That's right. It's like it's like rock. So then fast forward hours later and they've already buried the cat finally. He's like digging through cement. Right. So he buries the cat and he tells him, you know, I don't think he tells him what happens. 
He did, he doesn't tell him what happens. It doesn't happen till later when he informs them what happens because he. I don't want to keep going. Yeah, he, like tells him about his encounter with his dog. Right. So yeah, he tells them. Judd tells them the story because like when they bury the cat, he goes to bed that night, wakes up, and the family was going to visit their. The family is in Chicago for Thanksgiving. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they were in there and. Ellie calls and is like, is church okay, daddy? Yeah, which is so heartbreaking. I'm just like, oh my God. So he doesn't tell her. He's like, oh yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen him, you know? Yeah. But then he bar- after he buries him, he comes back and he's like, oh yeah, he's fine. But th- there's something wrong about the cat. Yeah. So he runs over to Judd's house. And this is when Judd tells him a story when he was a kid and he buried his dog Spot. And went up to the cemetery and buried it, and it came back with, like, blood all over its face. Yeah. The mom was hanging laundry, and the dog came out, and the dog came through the sheets that were hanging on the laundry thing, and it was just like, and she's like, go get your freaking dog out of Yeah. <laughs> and then I guess they had to kill it again, yeah. the dog, so, and then he buried it again, but somewhere else? Or did uh, he burn it? I don't remember. I think he said he buried the dog in the, he killed it, but he buried it in, in the, the pet cemetery. In the pet, that's right. Because he said at the beginning, he's like, this is where my dog spot's buried here. And blah, blah, blah. So Lewis is freaked out about the cat coming back to him. And it's like hissing at him. It's not a nice cat at all. No. So he goes over to Judd when he when they have this conversation. And then they sit down and he's like, the dad says, "Have they? has anybody ever tried to bury a person up there? And he was like, oh, God, Lord, what did he say? Lord, no. Or, yeah. Lord, no. Lord Jesus, no. And he knocks over his beer, and it's like this, like... Party foul? I'm like... It's <laughs> <laughs> a perfectly good waste of beer. Seriously, dude. It's beer. Perfectly good waste? A waste of perfectly good beer. That's Perfect, what I meant to say. Perfectly good waste of beer. Yeah. I don't know what I'm saying. Ah, uh, we're drunk. One of the most prolific parts of the the movie, and one of the more... People walked out of the theater in, in the, it's when they saw this movie, and a lot of people stopped reading the book when this might happen, because it was just so tragic. Wow. But with a little boy, they're out having a picnic. He's flying a kite. The world is on the most beautiful day ever, shining down on this little nice home in the middle of Not Maine. a cloud in the sky. Not a cloud in the sky. It's just beautiful out. And Gage goes walking off again like he did in the beginning, and nobody's paying the fuck attention to him. The dad turned around and was sitting there laughing at the people at the picnic table. I'm like, would you turn around, you right. idiot? So, and I won't go into details because we'll save that for some of our favorite scenes. But kid gets hit by a truck. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy. Like, I was kind of, I don't mean to be like sicko. <laughs> like, I don't have kids, so it doesn't bother me as much as it would for somebody that does have kids. Um, even the guy who played the father had never had kids before. So he had to kind of like envision something like that, s- like happening. someone that he cared about yeah. to get in that moment. Cause he has to feel that way all day long. Yeah. You know? Um, but, uh, there is some really interesting trivia on this. I don't want to spoil everything for you, but we, when we get closer to the spoilers, you know, we'll see it. But I, I would give, I would, I guess that most people have probably seen this movie. Yeah. It's a, not cla- everyone. It's a classic movie. It is a classic Stephen King story. It's one of the more popular ones that he had. Yeah. Um, not the most popular, but it is a big one. It's a big one, yeah. Um, uh, there's really a lot of trivia, so buckle the fuck up, guys. We'll just kind of shoot through some of these. First of all, the, the story of Pet Cemetery is based off the real events that Stephen King had with his daughter. His daughter's cat, I think yeah. it was. It was her cat 
literally the almost exact same story that happens in the movie. Yeah. Uh, she, the cat goes out, gets hit by a car. She doesn't know how to deal with death. She gets upset. And then they bury her in a uh, pet cemetery, don't they? I believe so. Yeah, because like, he actually ended up finding a pet cemetery shortly thereafter or something. Yeah. I don't know if she buried it there, but, but she had a cat named Smucky. The name of the town that this whole thing takes place is in Ludlow, Maine, which is a fictitious name. It's based off of King's town he grew up in New England named uh, Orrington. Okay. So, or Orrington. Uh, King actually had to have the movie made in Maine. He specifically asked for it because of what we talked about earlier with the whole situation where all his movies were getting, all his stories were being taken place in Los Angeles. So he was a little irritated with that and made it happen. Pretty country up there too. It's landscape or whatever. It's so nice and green and it's got the colors and stuff. Something you really can't replicate. It is really nice. A lot of the cast said that they absolutely adored the place and like they remember very fond times of just like going down to the grocery store and it was just like a different world for them. Yeah. So um, they they pretty much, you know, stayed in there. And I think he still lives in Maine. Yeah, he still lives in Maine. Like right there in that town, actually, yeah. where this this takes place, where they actually shot it. Yeah. Um, but it's called Ellsworth, Maine. Eventually, King did find a pet cemetery, and it kind of gave him the the fact of his daughter's cat dying in the pet cemetery. Sparks went off in his head, and he just started writing like crazy about it. He did get actually pretty depressed about writing this when he was done. Okay. Because it was so dark. Yeah. It just, it probably hit him just as strong. And when they were, tr- actually, when they finally did go to sell this book, he actually, they were using that as a tagline, like, can a book scary Stephen King even? Oh, wow. You know, so it, like, people went wild for it. But he put it in the shelf. He was like, fuck it, I don't want to, he put it in a drawer, he didn't want to deal with it, he thought it was too dark for people. Yeah. Other friends had told him that it was too dark and that he shouldn't, he shouldn't put it out there. And I guess he had issues with his publisher, who he was with at the time. His publisher was like, wouldn't pay him, I guess. And so he was like fighting to get this money from them all the time and they weren't paying him. So he said, okay, I want to leave, you know. And he's like, I'll give you this book as long as you pay me up front for everything. And the book sold like gangbusters. Yeah. It like was hard to get on the shelf. Yeah. So this was like his goodbye book to that publisher. Yeah. So, but they, well, which they made out pretty well because, you know. It was so good. Right. Definitely the book, though, was very taboo because of the child death in it, as was the movie in a way. Yeah. Became a huge success, though. Actually, George Romero almost directed this, the movie for this, oh, the that adaptation. Would been, that would have been pretty crazy. Isn't it crazy? I don't know if it would have been good or not, because I've seen some bad George Romero flicks. Yeah. Well, the source material he'd have to work with. It was interesting, yeah. It would have been, it would have been interesting to see what his take would have been or how he would have sure. done that. And I'm pretty sure him and King are pretty good friends. They were. So well, uh, George Romero passed away. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say uh, were good friends. Yeah, they were definitely good friends. Um, they definitely worked on a lot of different stuff because of Creep Show and yeah, uh, they worked together on those things uh, quite a bit. But yeah, I, I don't know. It would have been interesting. I guess he was working on another movie at the time. Oh. They said Monkey Shines. Oh, okay, so that's what he was working on at the time. But instead of of him, they got Mary Lambert. Okay. Who is this, you know, music video, <laughs> like... Madonna. Madonna fucking shooting uh, 
director and which is pretty cool like they got a, a female director to do a movie before she actually was able to shoot the movie or get the job essentially as a director she had to go meet with Stephen King I would have been like yes. so yeah so like they they <laughs> apparently this. like hit it off like really well they both have like southerner kind of accents and like you know they like that kind of small town thing uh so they hit it off really well and she got to to do it um she said that he would be on the set all the time. Yeah. He lived in town, went to the store all the time, and and was just a big part of the film. She said that he would drink a lot of Jolt Cola. <laughs> that she loved, that he loved Jolt. Jolt Cola. That was like his thing. It was his crack, I'm sure. Even that was like that an energy anymore? drink, you know? Yeah. That was, was it like triple the caffeine? Double Pretty the much. Caffeine? The scene where the dad and we were talking about the accident with Gage dying. Yeah. You see him, the dad run, uh, Dale Midkiff runs towards the child. Mm -hmm. And he said when he belted out that scream, it was from his soul. Like he He envisioned somebody that he really cared about and and had to hang on to that the whole day. And that really kind of puts a perspective about acting like I never thought about. That if you're like putting yourself in that situation all day, that's kind of a shitty day. Yeah, it kind of brings your mood down if you're right. if you're having to do a sad scene or scene where it, there's anguish or something like that. It's fucking schizophrenic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't imagine. I can understand like with like characters that like uh, what's his face Heath Ledger put himself oh, yeah. in that mindset that it probably took a major toll on him. Right. So, yeah, I couldn't be an actor. No. Well, and some directors really push their actors hard. Like, uh, the new movie that just came out, the Mother movie. Yeah. Apparently, Darren Aronofsky pushed Jennifer Lawrence, like, super hard to the point where she was not able to act in three movies after that. Oh, wow. She turned down three roles. She just needed some meeting time. Yeah, she was just like... Because if you haven't seen the movie yet, guys, I personally, it is... It's not a movie for everyone, a hundred percent. I don't think she, Mary, the Mary Lambert, didn't push the actors that much. They all kind of worked really. It was like a very family-oriented yeah. thing. For such a dark movie, Yeah, you know, it's like so family-oriented. Everybody's happy. Right. Hey. There was also a scene where uh, Fred Gwynn, or Judd, the character Judd, gets bit on the neck by the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't say how yet. With his teeth? But yeah, they, they, <laughs> they were talking about that scene and how they were trying to convince the little kid... Miko Hughes or Gage to basically play bite on his neck. They have him play bite on his neck and he really did bite. Okay. But there was like a prosthetic thing on his neck a little bit. To keep it from and going they, deep. Yeah. And they, well, he didn't really bite bite, but they were just like, uh, and then they used a doll when they pulled the flesh away from his neck. Oh, okay. So the kid's not traumatized and they're going, rah. Well, it was a little uh, traumatizing for Gage after all anyway, because he actually ended up watching that scene. Oh, jeez. Kid's like, no. Yeah. So they had him on set and they watched him and he was panicking. Like the kid got really scared because him and Fred Gwynn got along really well. Yeah. And, uh. I guess it just like freaked him out. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck, guys? Like, watch that on your own time. <laughs> yeah, Get I mean, the kid like, out of here. yeah, like, hey, kid, you want to watch this fucked up shit happen right now that you may not even be able to reconcile? Yeah. Like, hmm, what what does a little kid do? Oh, he's tearing his neck open. That's normal. That's why he doesn't remember making the movie. He blocked it out. Because yeah, he was so traumatized by seeing that. Yeah, scene. he's many years of therapy have brought it to the surface again, <laughs> so he could relive it and get rid of it. There you go. <laughs> that's, how you do, that's how you do it. He's a tortured soul now. <laughs> 
Did you know that they actually built a fake house around Judd's house? Did they? Yeah. Why would they do that? Because the old it wasn't an old enough house. Oh, so they had to make it look old. Yeah, it was a single story house that they built up to a second story. Okay, because yeah, Judd's house is two stories. Right. So and they painted it up. I did not know that. Oh wow! I thought that was really cool. That is pretty cool. But they built it up, and at the end, you know, they, I don't want to spoil it, but they burned the shit out of it. They burned it on top of the other house oh, underneath really? it. Yeah. They got to be careful with that. They did a really good job, apparently. Oh, apparently, yeah. But that's crazy, that, right? That like, is, I had no idea. Thought it was one house. Movie magic. Oh. <laughs> but they, they used, like, a, a asbestos wall shielding, sort of, the firewall protection. Oh, okay, so it went to the other one. Yeah. So okay. they, 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 you know, normally you would put the firewall protection on the inside. Yeah. But they did it on the outside so that it wouldn't burn through that way. Yeah. Um, Which is smart. Yeah, it was really <laughs> smart. It was super cool. During the filming of this movie, they had a lot of stars stop by in Maine. Oh, wow. Which is weird. Yeah. But it was a big event. Like, this was a big thing. They had, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar came by and hung out on the set a lot. He was in a Stephen King movie. Yeah, oh, was he? Yep. Which one? The Stand. Oh, that's right. He was the bell ringer with the, the sandwich board on. Oh, that's right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why, yeah. Then they also had uh, Charlie Sheen. He was like drinking Tiger's blood. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, was yeah, it, was he winning? Yeah, he was winning. Uh, I believe at that time. Uh, I don't know. I'm not 100. percent He was probably coked out of his head. Probably, probably doing coke with fucking Stephen yeah, King. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, sorry, Stephen. I'm not trying to be a dick here. I but love you, Stephen. We all know the story about you and Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Uh, you were maximizing your overdrive yeah. with some uh, cocaine. Uh, at least that's the story, anyway. The cat that was in the movie I thought was really cool. I thought they did a really good job. Oh, yeah. But there were some parts in it that I wasn't too excited about. Like, they had a really well-trained cat. They were all talking about how well-trained this cat was and how it was kind of a ham. But do you remember the scene where they, like, shoot it up with some fucking... When, he, when the doctor shoots yeah, it up? Yeah, with a cocktail he made to... To kill? Yeah. He picks it up, and I don't know if it's just the noises that it was making, but it just it just lays on the ground like it passes out. Yeah, it's just laying there. It's like, and uh. it just didn't feel right. I was like, no. Like, I know it doesn't bother you, but, like, I don't know what it is, but it, like, tripped me out in a way it was just laying on the gravel. It didn't look dead or it just... It, no, it looked dead, it looked, but it, but it <laughs> just... Dead. It was it's probably real. just knocked out, but I'm like thinking to myself, like, there's no way. They must have shot it up with something. Either that or it's a really good acting cat. I don't know. It just seems wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they did have the disclaimer at the end that no animals were harmed during the making of this well, film. Well, yeah. So. PETA would have had a field day. Yeah. <laughs> they ate cat that night, though. Oh, that so was... Surprisingly good. enough. Not that cat, but... It was, I heard it was a good feast. It was a delicious feast. It was a fancy feast. I was going to say, it was a fancy <laughs> feast. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ringing the dinner bell. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> uh, come, Steven. Uh, it's, it's, the bell's not for the cat. It's for Steven. Steven. They just, like, they tap a silver fork on <laughs> a, fork on ding, a ding, fucking ding. crystal glass. <laughs> <laughs> come get your dinner, Steven. <laughs> dinner time. Boy, I'm being disrespectful. Um, <laughs> we do love you. I don't know if you guys, you guys know who Steve, uh, Heather Langenkamp is, right? Uh, Heather Langenkamp is from Nightmare on Elm Street. And her boyfriend used to work on movies and they eventually got married. Well, this is the movie that he asked her to marry her. Oh, nice. So in Maine, 
he didn't even have a diamond ring. So he just bought a diamond and like showed it to her and <laughs> asked her to marry him. This is going to be on a ring one day. Yeah, exactly. So he asked her to marry her and she said yes. But they eventually, I guess, split up. So, But this was their love movie. I don't know Hollywood gossip and all that uh, stuff. <laughs> you know The Housekeeper? Yeah. By, uh, it was played by Susan Blommer. Blommert? Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Blommert? We'll go with that. Yeah, try that out. See what you guys think. Throw it out there, kick it back. Uh, but she uh, she actually went to a therapist to try to understand what it's like to be a depressed person that would kill themselves, because in the movie, spoiler alert, she kills herself. Didn't she have stomach cancer? She does it by hanging. But yeah, she does have stomach cancer. Yes. Yeah, but she... Because he's like, I could take a look at that for you if yeah, you want. She's, she's like, like, no, it goes away. I'm fine. It comes and goes, yes. like it always does. That rheumatoid. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? I was thinking that, like, maybe he could give you some antacids. Like, chill out, lady. Like, it's not that bad. It's not going to open you up. And let me get my pen knife. <laughs> he just stabs her in the <laughs> stomach and just pulls out just the cancer. Guts her like a deer. Let's see what this is. <laughs> Let's see what's inside. She starts running. He shoots her. She tranks her. He tranks the. Uh, <laughs> and then he sh- tags her afterwards. Yeah. Just to make sure he can find her in the wild. Gage is like helping him move the parts <laughs> out. You know, I'm sorry. Okay, we're getting carried away. But she uh, she actually took it very seriously because she wanted to understand what it was like to be a depressed person that would drive themselves to suicide. And so she kind of really kind of wanted to get into it. And she said that while she was actually doing the scene where she was about to hang herself, which is another scene that people walked out of the theater of. Oh, really? Uh, and also stopped reading the book about, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But in the theater more so. Actually, just in the movie, there was people that walked out because it scared them. Oh, okay. Because it looks real. It does look she, very real. She jumps off the table and she just hangs. Yeah. Yeah, it's Whoa. I mean it's m- movie magic, but you know, she said that before she jumped off that table, she would be thinking about her mother. Oh wow. Like she was coming to see her. Oh god. Like it's kind of dark, right? It's very dark. You know, and she said that um she would say mama in her head just like over and over, mama, I'm coming like mama, mama. I would need therapy after that. Right? I know. And then she said uh one of her friends when the movie came out this is fucking hilarious. So she had one of her friends go to the theater where they lived to go see the movie. And her friend was like, you have to go to this theater out here and watch this movie. She's like, when we got to your part where you hang yourself, a bunch of kids in the theater were like, do it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she laughed about it. Oh, God. She thought it was fucking great. <coughs> Just hang said, yourself. Jump, bitch. Do it. <laughs> Everybody's doing it. Do it. Oh, my God. So, but the weird thing, speaking of her being kind of dark, um, which is cool with me, she uh, actually kept the noose. Oh, did she? Yeah, she that kept the noose dark. with, with the, the rig that she wore. Hang that on the wall. In the yeah, I know. Like This is a conversation piece right here. Yeah, you just put it on the dinner table. Yeah. You know? What's oh, up? you guys, you ladies ready for tea? Yeah. This is the noose I wore and. <laughs> yeah. Pet cemetery in the harness. Barbara or no Susan, are you okay? Are you gonna? Are you having a bad day? Do we need to talk about this? Fred Gwynn was actually infatuated with uh, Stephen King on the set because he was on there all the time, and yeah. he just he kept following Stephen King around to the point where it was getting creepy. Oh god! And he would just ask him over and over again. I really just want to pick your brain. I really just uh, w- want to k- pick your brain. I sound like the guy from fucking Scrooged. Or what's his name? It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. It's not in this bank. It's in Bill's house. Yeah, in Jim's house. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, is that what his name is? Jimmy yeah. Stewart. 
anyway, so it's just kind of funny that he was kind of like a fanboy of Stephen King. Yeah. So, and, and you would think that Stephen King would have been all about it. Yeah, being yeah. Red Gwynn. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been like... Yeah. It's Herman, the Munsters, It's Herman right? Munster, It's Herman dude. Munster, yeah. Uh, they also built this, the Pet cemetery from scratch. So they had boulders come in. They, like, placed down a bunch of earth. They, like, dug up the ground, placed down new earth. They brought in sod and, like, did it all up to make it really nice. Because there was a contrast. There was the Pet cemetery, and then there was the Micmac cemetery up the hill. And which was near like a, a gorge or like a stone quarry. Yeah, it looked like a stone quarry because they were climbing up like sides of rocks that looked like they had been cut. Right. Cool contrast between the two because the Pet cemetery is more about this innocence about life and death, whereas the, the one up there was a much darker, scarier. Very like sharp. I don't know if that's a good word, sharp. And like the Pet cemetery had like brass and it was like soft it felt soft sure yeah well it felt warm like a child yeah well like, that sounds horrible <laughs> warm like, warm like, cut that jesus <laughs> christ <laughs> that is not what i meant by the way just so i'm that. leaving <laughs> and things just got really creepy uh anyway i'm back to the podcast um but yeah the the, the, the pet cemetery they actually had to get six truckloads of those boulders okay. and some there's like two boulders left that are left at that place where they shot. Where they shot. Because the house was in a different area. It was like down the street from where the pet cemetery was. So the path actually led to nowhere. Okay. And then when you you had to go down the street, street like the... way down the street, like a like a mile down the road, and then you would be at the pet cemetery. Gotcha. So they went down and uh they, they even show the the new play or the way it looks now. And uh then they sh- they talk about the the Micmac cemetery and how it was like an old blueberry field, apparently. Oh nice. They brought, like, a shit ton of rocks. There were so many rocks on that. Uh, they looked up the Micmac natives, um, like, how their burial techniques were and how they did things with rocks and everything like that. So they, they, they made it look like that. And, and they got that huge crane shot from above that was beautiful of the yeah. whole area. They did a really good job. Yeah, that was really cool. It looks like some witchcraft type shit. Yeah, I thought it was like a... What's it called? It looked like a crop circle. Like a burial ground? I'm just kidding. <laughs> It looked like a place you would bury things. Dead things? Dead people. Yeah, under stone. Yeah, I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Did you know this movie had three different endings? I did not. Yeah, there was going to be three different endings, and I'll get into that when we get into our spoiler thing, guys. I don't want to spoil that just yet for you, Um, but they did have three endings. They were all just similar. Just a little change Just a little different change here and there. Gage lives. Do you know the? Uh, there was a scene where they have like a fight in this funeral home with the father. With the father, but they had like, in order to do the scene where there was like a little kid casket, they had to buy five kid caskets, right? <laughs> so after their shoot at this scene, they had to like wrap everything up out of the 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 church. Yeah. So they grab, they were like, tell the crew, hey, we need to take these, let's take these off. We got to pack them up and like get them out of here. Well, don't tell me they grabbed the casket that had a real kid in it. They had the, no, <laughs> they grabbed the casket. It wasn't a real kid. It was the dummy that they had in the casket in the in the movie. Okay. And it fell out. And that probably freaks some and people out. Dude, it scared one of the, the crew members so bad, this lady, that she booked it. <laughs> and she ran smack into a, a pole, oh, into her God. head. Yeah. <laughs> 
I thought that was funny. I would have been dying. I don't know if I would have run. I wouldn't have run. I would have been taken do? back a bit, but I wouldn't. What's I he mean, gonna do? Get up and chase after you? No, it would have been like if I if I was in that situation, I've been like soups on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dinner <laughs> bell, yeah, ring it. Who wants a leg? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, ridiculous <laughs> that's pretty ridiculous did you have any favorite scenes or i loved uh the cat <clears throat> especially when they showed it with its eyes its eyes oh, were yeah. just like freaky creepy i'm just like if i saw that cat and its eyes were like that i would be like f you cat that was a really cool scene do you know how they did it <clears throat> i don't know shine light in its eyes no no it was actually a very very soft light like you wouldn't even notice it when they when they shoot on these cameras they use a lens uh some sort of glass lens that kind of takes out glare okay or reflection and they flipped it the other way okay so that the eyes would glow and it was like a really simple technique that sounds easy it it does sound easy but it was like i thought it was a really good idea yeah it's it's it looked better than some i've seen where they actually like did cgi on the eyes to make it look like it's right you're just like Oh, that looks dumb. These are naturally, they naturally all glow. Do, yeah, like when you take a picture of a dog. Dog or a cat, yeah. It's yeah. got that reflection. You that see the lens. like eyes glowing like a fucking demon. You're you like, know? demon cat, no. And essentially, I mean, this is kind of like demons in a way, because yeah. the, the things that come back from this burial yard are like demons. Yeah. And they even kind of go into the fact that part of the reason that that these chain of events happen is all because of Fred Gwynn's character, Judd. Who is an idiot. Yeah, like, but this, the spirits, these dark spirits manipulated things to take their kid, to take their cat, to take Judd, all this other shit, so that they would just, like, continuously try to bury people or things. Yeah. I love the scene where he's, like, they, well, there's, it's, it's kind of a dual scene because it was the soil of a man's heart is Stoney or Lewis, where Pascal says it, and which was a really cool scene. Yeah. And you, of course, are like, what the fuck is he talking about? I. It is hard to hear him. Yeah, I had to t- uh, turn on the closed captioning because I could not understand what he said. Yeah, it is kind of hard. Yeah. Um, I had to listen to it like two or three times just to make sure. And then Fred Gwynn says it after he has this vision that Pascal's warning him not to go to this thing, go past the threshold and shit. Yeah. Go beyond the fucking deadfall. And he does it anyway. And then he realizes it clicks after he buried his cat was it the cat the first time yeah it was the cat yeah what about you what else what's another one well i love frank Gwynn's character just every time he was talking i was just enraptured with just his talking and he's the way perfect he t- yeah he was just that good old uh main boy not bully but old man that yeah. you, you you hear you like he's a good old boy yeah you like stephen king does a really good job with conveying these old time characters who during the time he wrote these books it's like the 70s or 80s so he's taking you back to those times with those characters. And it's just fun to listen to the way they talk and stuff like that. And you're just picturing sitting there talking to this old man. And he's just like, yeah, back in the world. Yeah. Well, we're going it's over there. It's over there. You need to go over that hill, yeah. son. Lois, I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, fucking love, cause I can't help trying to do his voice. I'm sorry. It's, it's fun. <laughs> but yeah, it, I just loved anything that he was in any scene he was in any particular scene that you thought was like his best that you love i i I did love the scene where he was talking to um ellie in the cemetery that is kind of cool and he's like oh they talk and she gets all freaked out he's like no no it's It's not a scary place it's not a scary place this is a good place it's where the (sighs) ghosts talk and you see it on the gravestones and on the the monuments and stuff like that the markers 
well, I think one of the biggest scenes for me in the entire movie that makes it kind of stand out, child scene. Gage. Yes. Yeah. So we didn't really spoil this for you guys completely, but we said that he got hit by a truck. So if you don't want to know the details. So he's running out to the street, chasing a kite in this beautiful picnic day. Parents are totally so happy that they could give two fucks where Gage is, apparently. <laughs> We're having fun. He's halfway to the road already. He's probably even more. He's probably three-fourths of the way to the road. Yeah, he was way far. And so the dad sees him and chasing after this kite, and the mom's like, get Gage, get Gage! And he's like running like a military fucking, <laughs> yeah. like fast as shit, like towards the book and it towards the kid. And... <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I know people are like, you're an asshole, dude. Like, uh, but I was like, get the kite, get the kite, <laughs> the ki- save that kite. That's I was nice like excited. Kite. I was like, I was like, a li- I don't know, like a little boy getting ready to hit by a truck. I was like, wee. I, it's not that I would want to see that guys. Okay. It is like, I don't have kids, so I don't understand the connection beca- on that level. I could never truly understand. Yeah. But yes, if somebody that I loved was running out towards the road and I was about to get hit, I'd be freaked the fuck out. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I understand why anybody would think this scene was a little over the top. The cool thing about this, and I always wondered this myself, guys, what, when they show the truck coming up behind him. Oh, my goodness. I was like, how the fuck did they do that? Because sh- the shot pans to like on the street. Where he's in front of the truck. Yeah, the kid's right in front of the truck. So I don't know if I know the, how truck they did sh- it. the truck stopped just right there and have him standing nope. right there. No? The truck um, comes barreling down the road, and it's this whole dance between Gage chasing the kite, the family screaming, everybody running. The- you see the truck driver listening to music, and he's like singing along. He's like really happy. It's like some punk song. Yeah, it was a punk song. And then like he's driving down the road, and all of a sudden you see Gage reach down to get the kite, and he looks up at the truck, and you see, and then that's when they, they zoom the camera into the child's head. So the truck's about to hit it, and then you just see it run over him. And then you see the dad like scream, like, <laughs> like oh, sorry, <laughs> that was loud. Ears are bleeding. Uh, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty intense. He does yeah. it like twice, but he said that was a real, real emotional, guttural, like dark place that he yeah. put himself in. So kudos to him. Do you have any other scenes that you might enjoy? <clears throat> Well, there's a quote that um, when I watched this with my friends, we would say all the time. What? I want to play with you. Daddy. <laughs> I want to play with you. I want to play with you. It's like, it. it's the kid's voice, too. It is so creepy. Yeah. It is the creepiest voice ever. And then when he's talking, anytime he says anything, I'm just like, oh, shuddering. <laughs> But yeah, no, it is pretty creepy, man. Yeah. That's some creepy shit. I don't know, makeup and I don't know if it was lighting they put on the kid when you see him was added Jump creepy. out of the attic? Well, not the jump out of the attic. The jump out of the attic was throwing a doll. But Yeah, that was funny. But when they when they show him walking with the scalpel and he's just like... <laughs> I was like, is that a real scalpel? I doubt it was a real probably scalpel. Probably not. It's like no. a fake one. They probably just cut a wooden one and painted it to look metal or something i thought that around that same time they they show fred gwynn's character judd get cut on the achilles tendon on the back of his foot and that ooh, yeah something about that spot like even in evil dead yeah they show where they jab the pencil into their ankle yeah oh 
Like, what the fuck, people? Like, just cutting someone's Achilles heel? Like, And it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't just like a little nick. That thing was like a good half inch to an inch right. that I didn't, he took Did out. you know that was a prosthetic? Was that a prosthetic? Yeah. That, it looked like like they just kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I knew it was a prosthetic. but well, obviously, we're not like, yeah. But it just looks, what I meant to say is it looks so real. It looked really real. It made me wonder how they did it, and then I saw how they did it. It made me cringe. I was just like, ah, yeah. oh, it's rolling Ooh, up that, into It makes leg. me ball up my hands like in a fist. <laughs> like, no! <laughs> it hurts us. Daddy, no! <laughs> and then we cut his mouth. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. And then he bites his throat. Yeah. Fucking, that fucking shit's like crazy, man. Little demon baby. Oh, well, my favorite thing also is when he sticks the needle in Gage's neck. And the acting performance of Miko. Was really good. Was really good, man. Like, it was like, oh, no fair, daddy. Yeah. No fair. And then he tripped. And he fell down. And he fell and hit his head for real. Oh, did he really? Hit his like, head? I think they actually, he like, they didn't talk about it, but I guess he did trip, actually trip and fall back into the ladder and hit his head on the wall. Oh, wow. And then they just, you know, Kept they, it. they light the whole fucking place up on fire. <laughs> Burn it. Burn the fucking little fucker. Yeah. <laughs> But um, do you have any end thoughts on this, like, in particular? And then we'll just jump into the second one. It was just fun. Yeah? Once they just couldn't figure out what Judd's... I know his motivation was he didn't want to see Ellie sad about the cat, and he knew that she loved the cat so much and stuff. Right. But he knew what was going to happen, because he saw it twice. He saw it with his dog. And then the human. Yeah. They buried that guy that came back from the war that died or right. that was dead from the war that they brought the body back. He saw what happens. He knows that. Yeah, how irresponsible of that old fuck. What, what a jerk. I'm like, you seriously. know what it is? He got old and he got bitter and he fucking didn't care if the family fucking died because they were younger than he was. And this is the problem with the world today, guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Kids these days. <laughs> yeah, motherfucker. Old people are taking over the world. Take their teeth. Take their candy. Listening to their rock and roll music. <laughs> I think the moral of the story pretty much is don't move your family into a house by a busy road. And if you do, don't listen to your wily fucking old bitter neighbor. It's no codger. <laughs> and for the love of fucking God, guys, do not go past the place where the dead walk. No. The barrier was not meant to be crossed. The ground beyond is sour. Get it through your fucking head, people. Uh, God put that there for a reason. <laughs> I don't think you should move it. <laughs> well, I mean, unless you're... If you want to go past the threshold, it should be for a sequel. Yeah. I think, right? I think so, yeah. Which we'll talk about the sequel here in just a second. So I didn't get to mention the three different endings for this movie. The original ending, guys, if you don't want to hear this, you might not want to shut off. But if you do, like, you know that he... The dad buries his wife because Gage kills his mom and hangs her. Somehow he drags her up the fucking... He got Superman strength when he yeah. came back. Well, he's a spirit. Who knows? Yeah. Thinks, you know, he's a demon. So who fucking knows? Anyway, so at the end, he buries her and she comes back and stabs him in the back after he makes out with her and her eyes dripping gore. And I threw up. Yeah, that was disgusting. He was like, man, it was really hard to do that scene. I would, I can imagine. <laughs> I'd be like, nah, nah. <laughs> So that's the original ending. She stabs him in the back. She grabs a butcher knife off the table and stabs him. Well, there was one, there was two other endings. Ellie calls as the mom comes home and she answers the phone and talks normal. 
like everything's okay. And she tells her daughter, everything is fine, and then smiles, and then it goes to black. Oh, that's kind of a creepy ending right there. Yeah, that was the original one I think that they were going to use. Okay. But they went back and had her come back out to reshoot. Okay. Because they did the the, the, the final ending. The final ending where she gets where she stabs. Second one that they had tossed around was that the mom extends her hand on the shoulder of the dad at the end. Okay. And Lewis screams as it goes to black. I think I would have liked the phone one. So I think kind of like that, yeah. I, I but it, but I do like the the. They said that they needed a little more oomph. Yeah. For the ending, I I wouldn't mind either one. I like I like the original ending that they chose, but that second one would have been pretty cool. Just right. Her talking on the phone to Ellie and smiling and going to black. Yeah, I thought it was. I still liked the ending. I mean, either way. Yeah. But yeah, it would be. I think it probably could have been pretty cool. I think they just wanted to make it more graphic, so it just stuck in your memory. Yeah, kind of is the just desserts of the situation too. Don't deal with the dead. Now, there's a question I wanted to ask you and see what your thoughts are. I don't want to get into too much detail, but just kind of briefly go over whether or not you would be okay with this. But Andy Buschietti, who just did the remake or reboot of it, and is going to be doing a chapter two of it, is salivating at the mouth to want to do a Pet Cemetery remake or reboot. How do you feel about this? Should they or should they not touch it? Would you be okay with it? Where did they touch you on the doll? They touched me <laughs> below in the bikini area, the, the bathing suit uh, area. Can you show me right here? Um, can you yeah, show me the on. exact... Let, let me stand up. Uh, no, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, would, I would actually be okay with that. Yeah? It, I feel it's been a long enough time... It's not one of these movies that they're constantly redoing and redoing. I think a maybe bigger budget um, adaptation could be really, really good. Yeah, I, I'm I'm actually okay with it. I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening right now probably clenching their fists yeah, shaking. Uh, about it just like they were with It, you know? And yeah. there are some people that saw the new It movie and didn't like it, and that's totally fine. Jerk. But if he did, you should be okay with the fact that he's going to be doing a Pet Cemetery movie because the It movie was pretty phenomenal. It was amazing. And I would really like to see his vision of this the world... Although, in the new It movie, the house that... The well house... The Neville Street house. Really bugged me. It wasn't creepy. So, I just kind of wonder if he's... It didn't have, like, consistency. Yeah. So, I'm hoping that they do... I'm sure that the Pet Cemetery would be beyond amazing. Uh, it would look phenomenal. Yeah. It'd probably be, like, all these thickets grew up around it and, like, this birdcage sort of thing. And I can picture light coming through. Just and barely coming through, just, like, beams right there, moats and... I just wonder what it would be like, I mean, if, if they really need to do a remake. I'm not against it, necessarily, but how do you make it better? Just like modernize it would make it better. Sure, but you don't have Fred Gwynn, and you don't have Gage. Those are your pitfalls. I got a solution. What? Dig up Fred Gwynn. <laughs> put oh him in the God. pet cemetery. <laughs> we do not go beyond the threshold. Okay, we just, Josh, we've we been there. Get it through your fucking head. <laughs> I'm a little hard-headed. No, but seriously, like, how do you replace Fred Gwynn, and how do you replace, more importantly, this is going to be the hardest task for them when they do this movie, is who are they going to have play the kid? They replaced Tim Curry. Yeah, but kids are different, man. Well, um, like, well I'm they talk- got I'm lucky talk- with Gage. I'm talking about Fred Gwynn. Well, you can find an, an iconic older character. Fair like, fair point there, but as far as the kid goes, the, they're going to have a fucking hell of a time. They need to just find a creepy kid and 
They're going to have to go through thousands of kids. Literally yeah. thousands of kids. That's going to be a casting call. Maybe it's going to be it, crazy. Make it a female. That'd be creepy. Right. They'd probably be older kid, too, huh? They probably would make them older. A little bit oh, older. Oh, don't do... See, this is now... See, now we're, like, tearing it apart. And it's going to make <laughs> it bad. It's ripped apart. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, I don't mean to compare this because it's not the same thing, but the Poltergeist remake. The girl in it was stupid, and I didn't like her. She was not Carol Ann. Yeah. How are you going to replace Gage? I think that's the the biggest hole that they're going to have to fill. That is true with the Poltergeist. You cannot replace Carrie Ann. She was so. Was it it's just she was haunting and weird, and she was just so awesome. I'm not saying that she's like the best actor, but just her I don't presence know. in that movie was so good. Right, just like, like oh, that's why I'm saying like Gage and Fred Gwynn are the biggest parts of Pet Cemetery. Without them, that movie would not have been a success. I don't know how they're going to do it. It. It, I'm guessing it would probably be difficult if they did decide to do it. What do you guys think? Tell us in the comments below. Are you for, against, wait until you see it? What do you think? But now we're going to go ahead and move on to Pet Cemetery 2. Which I don't hate. I didn't mind seeing this, but we'll get into that in a little bit here. Pet Cemetery 2 came out in 1992. It was actually August 28th that it came out. It had a budget of about $8 million estimated, and it made $17.1 million at the box office, which is not so good. It made its money back, but it didn't make a third one, so... Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens with it, and if Andy Muschietti gets a fucking sequel to Pet Cemetery 2, that'd be kind of interesting, because that would get ramped up a bit. Yeah. Anyway, this story is the ancient Indian cemetery with the power to raise the dead returns and influences the lives of new residents. The tagline of this movie is raise some hell. And it's this is during a time when grunge and alternative music was becoming very popular. So being that Mary Lambert came back to direct this movie, just like she did the first one, of course, she had her finger on the pulse of music. And was like trying to find music that she would put in this movie with some fair to not so good choices. No. It was written by Richard Alton this time. So Stephen King did not do the screenplay for this. He was the writer for Lionheart, Little Nemo cartoon from 1989. He did Journey to the Mysterious Island with Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Missed that one. <laughs> uh, the producer for the film is Ralph Singleton, who also produced Graveyard Shift, Another 48 Hours. Leap of Faith, Last Man Standing, and Trailer Park of Terror, plus The Mill. Okay. So uh, some of the cast this time was a little more edgier this time. It's a little more updated. It's like fast forward three years later, and all of a sudden the whole tone changes like completely. We have Edward Furlong, who had been in the movie Terminator 2. He plays Jeff Matthews, who's the son, the main star of this movie. But he was in Terminator 2 during the time the first one came out. Okay. So the first Pet Cemetery came out. Okay. And then he was also in Brain Scan. He was also in the remake of Night of the Demons and a few others, but those are just the horror ones. Um, also, it stars Anthony Edwards, who plays Chase Matthews, who's the father of Jeff. He was also in a movie we just talked about here recently called Miracle Mile. Uh, he was also Goose in Top Gun and Zodiac. He was also in that movie and a, quite a few others. Uh, Clancy Brown plays the scary stepdad named Gus. Uh, He was also in Shawshank Redemption, Starship Troopers, 
new Netflix movie called Little Evil. He was in Highlander. He also did a ton of cartoon voice acting and video game voice acting as well. Mm-hmm. Also, it starred Jared Rushton, who plays Clyde the Bully. He was in Tom Hanks' Big. He was the f- the the best friend of Tom Hanks as a oh, okay. kid. As a kid, yeah. Yeah. He was also in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids and Lady in White. Also stars Darlene Fuegel as Jeff's mom, who's like an actress. She was in Battle Beyond the Stars, Tough Guys, Running Scared, Scanner Cop, Dark Man 3, which is horrendous. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, although I haven't seen it in a while, so maybe we should do those. Also, it stars Jason Mac- McGuire. He was Drew, or Drew Buddy. Um, Forrest, he was in Forrest Gump. He was also picked on in this movie as kind of like a victim of bullying. Yeah. But then he also played a bully in the movie called Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of an interesting contrast there. What are your thoughts on this one, Josh? Oh, my God. Divulge everything. Everything? No, just, yeah, just tell us what you think, like, generally. <clears throat> I thought the story was kind of terrible. Horrible. Horrible. Um, Why? Why do you feel it is horrible? There were some changes they made to the aspect of the mythos or whatever the yeah the how the pet cemetery worked really oh well there was one that i caught there was one that i caught well kind of bothered me you bury your own well they you bury your own and then when they come back they still maintain their personality well it seemed like the closer to death that they were like how soon it was that they died made an impact well that's the thing with the mom yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. So that 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 part did bother me too. So that's that. That's on me. Um, the movie does tend to jump it jump the shark towards the end. Oh my goodness, it was ridiculous. The bullying aspect. I just it was your typical bullying thing. New kid comes to town and is bullied. I'm just like he just got there. Seriously, why is everybody a jerk to the new kid? Right. Can you just be nice to him until you get to know him and figure out that if he's a douche? Josh, I don't think you're going to change Hollywood tropes overnight. I, I'm petitioning. Sorry to Will tell you. Will you sign my petition? I got here. We'll <laughs> I'll be your first signature. <laughs> my yeah. only signature. Here, and I'll put it in the uh, file for cl- for good keeping and set it on fire. I was going to say, is that the shredder <laughs> bend over there behind you? <laughs> but go on. I'm sorry. I don't know. The story was just so weak. Just everything about it was just so weak. And I was just like, oh, this really doesn't have anything with the characters I feel like with the first one the first one i felt for the father and the family because they lost a child right this one i was just like yeah i don't care because just the time between the time the first death happens and then all the events that start to make it go crazy was just it just seemed like it was too long a time so it just kind of like i don't know i just didn't care I was just like, yeah, you guys are whatever. Don't the care. characters are pretty weak to you. Oh, they are all weak. I think you're right, though. I, there was, whereas the first movie kind of preys on your heart a little bit uh, and has very unique, um, classic kind of characters that you love and endear and enjoy. Uh, the the like quirky little sweet things that they did in the first one are all gone now. Yeah. This is a completely new film. It's almost like, hey, what do we do? We did little kids. Let's do teenagers this time. It's a, it's a natural progression for a sequel. Totally makes sense. There was some good choices they made, some bad choices, I think. The <laughs> body count jumps like to 11 this time. That was ridiculous. So there's a lot more in this one. Definitely the characters are not as strong as the first, but the stepdad guy, Gus, is pretty great in it. 
I enjoyed his uh, performance. Yeah. It does further the story the way that you would kind of expect, like I said, for a sequel. And it has some funny parts that were kind of, it made me laugh a little bit. They're like dark, dark humor. Dark humor stuff. Right. They prey on animals a lot more in this one, I think. Uh, it's not as, like, caring. Oh. It makes you worried for animals quite a bit, a little bit in this one. I know the scene you're talking about. There's, there's, there's several, actually. But that one, there was one that really pissed me off with the cat. Yeah. That bothered me. I was like, oh, it was like I was on the edge of my seat, but I'm sure most people were like, yeah, whatever. It's a fucking cat. I'm all (laughs) like, don't kill the cat. Please don't kill the cat. Love the kitty. I don't even have a cat. What's up, Murray? My dog's in here. He's all like scared. He's like, because I'm he yelling. yelling at me. I'm not cat. My name is Murray. He's like, I heard you talking about animals. So I was like, I'm the best one. And then you start yelling, dude. Let me get my headphones on. I can talk about this. <laughs> Edward Furlong in it is not the best performance that he's done. No. Um, he's much better. Terminator. In Terminator 2 and Brain Scan, for that matter. Yeah. Like, he's really good in Brain Scan compared to this. Like, this is garbage. This is he's he's just the monotone fucking... Phoned in his... Yeah, he's a very phoned in. He's kind of... He's got the look, you know? He's kind of got the cool guy look. His hair all combed over his face, kind of yeah. emo looking. Kind of the bad boy a little bit, yeah. or but, you know, he plays kind of an innocent one in this one, which I didn't... didn't make sense to it me. Did, I didn't buy it. His character in Brain Scan seems more like his personality, yeah. more in line with who he is, because yeah. he was kind of like a grunge kid yeah, like in during Ter- those days. Yeah, like in Terminator, you had the, the Guns N' Roses soundtrack playing while you're... Right. So it's kind of like that. Some of, the, some of the music, though, speaking of which, in this, they had some cool songs, like they had the L7 shit list song, which was in Natural Born Killers... You make my shit list. <laughs> it was pretty cool. I saw them in concert. It's very grunge themed, like I said, but the, the song that they use in the sad parts really annoyed the shit out of me. Was it that one? It was just, I don't even know, and I'm not trying to pick on the band. Like, I'm really sorry. It really had nothing to do with the quality of the music. It just didn't fit. It was like they were trying to make a... It was like Mary Lambert wanted to make a music video of these sad moments. <laughs> and they played this fucking stereotypical fucking track. And I was just like, why Why don't you just put some violins in? Or, you know, some mood music, you know? Like, it doesn't... Never, everything doesn't have to be a goddamn fucking, uh, you know, goddamn uh, music video, yeah. you know? Like, and I'm not trying to sound like a dick. Like, she's good at it, so it makes sense that she would do it in her movie. She knows what the... She knows the craft of music videos right. and stuff it's like that. It's natural to her. It makes yeah. sense because she sees movies. She hears music and thinks of movies. So yeah. I'm not trying to, trying to downplay her, but just that song in particular just did not fit this. Pissed me off. Was it that Crucify Me Like Jesus? Jesus Christ and kill me like JFK song. No, it was like, don't forget me when I'm gone or oh, some God. shit like that. And I was like, God, I probably and zone then that play, out. <laughs> they like played it in a part where it's like, it's totally inappropriate. It doesn't even make any goddamn sense. <laughs> like they do it two times in sad parts and then they bring it back again. And it's like a happy kind of moment. What, which, which emotion am I supposed to be feeling with this song right now? Right. And then of course, towards the end of this movie, and I'm not going to spoil this to you yet, but it just gets so fucking full of itself. Like, like it's almost like two different writers wrote it. Yeah. It jumps. It like 
the car's driving down the road. It's staying in its lane. It's not beating any of the other cars in the race for a good movie. But it's staying on the fucking road, and it's doing a good job. And then all of a sudden, dude falls asleep at the wheel and fucking careens into the fucking guardrail, goes darting into a parking lot, (laughs) fucking smashes into a gas station, and it explodes into a glorious fucking hellhole of fucking shit. Fireball, and everybody's running around on fire. Dude, it's horrible. Like, the end is so bad. Like, it pissed me off. And that's, like, what I was talking about, because they totally took what Pet Cemetery, the original one, established and made it something completely different that just didn't make sense. Yeah, it was, like, good sex for a little... It was, like, decent sex, and then all of a sudden, like, someone's head turns towards you like a wolf head. <laughs> that's that's one of my... <laughs> So one of my notes was boob wolf head. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty fucking retarded. I was like, okay, he's having a dream. Uh, so he takes off her shirt, boobs. I'm like, all right, boobs. But let's be honest, you know, we've all had the wolf head sex dream, right? My, mine is more of an oxen, but. <laughs> Mine's a turtle head. Mine's a turtle. It, it just, it's just like there's no head, and then all of a sudden it just pops out it like pops a turtle. Out. Turtle, turtle. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just, uh, there's some scenes in this movie that we'll talk about in a little bit. We don't want to get into it too much. Essentially, this story, guys, is about a young boy who's moved from another town because his mother was an actress, a famous actress for horror movies, and she dies on set brutally by electrocution. Yeah. Her and her ex-husband, who is his, Jeff's dad, Math, Mr. Matthews, who also is a veterinarian, He's trying to get them to hook up in the very beginning of the movie before she gets electrocuted to death. And then he sees her get electrocuted to death. The dad now has full custody of the child now, decides to go move into the same town. Yeah, same areas. That the Creeds lived and all this crazy shit happened. And the kid is keeping all the mom's clothes and won't let go of her stuff. Right. Which I was just like, why are you lugging around women's clothes it's you and your dad right get rid of it dude some of his some of his acting moments i don't think he really came to fruition at <laughs> or they just didn't the, sh- the maybe the, the shots that she took she didn't realize he had more potential or something yeah. i don't know because it was i don't god, god it was so just like Oh, my God. Anyway, so they move to this town. He befriends, uh, well, he runs into the police officer who has a son named Drew. The police officer is the stepdad of Drew. Drew and Jeff become good friends, so Edward Furlong and this other guy. And then his father is this police officer who's kind of a dickhead, and you find that out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Who kind of picks on his stepson. Yeah, he kind of wants to keep him in line and... He wants to, like, enforce rules on him because that's all he knows. He, yeah. For whatever reason, he gets, like, some sick kick out of it. No watching TV at dinner time. Turn it off. Yeah, he's, like, trying to father him the way he was fathered, but it's, like, completely different. Mm. Like, why the fuck did the mom stick around for that kind of shit anyway? Like, yeah, the guy's a complete... She, like, totally... He, like, totally fucking picks on this kid in front of her. And she's like, oh, I'm making dinner. <laughs> well, the sex is good. Yep. Sorry, honey. Sorry, you gotta deal with this. <laughs> is he hitting you again? Well... Well, the sex is good. <laughs> He's hung like a horse. Yeah. I can't help you. He fucks me. He guts me like a turkey. <laughs> um, sorry. <God. laughs> 
but anyway, so they become friends. They're kind of both outcasts because he's the new kid and he's the he's the kid that gets picked on, the Drew kid. He's kind of a fat kid. Yeah, he's like a fat kid. He kind of reminds me of like a lot of do- other Stephen King stories, like where there's like the bigger kid, yeah, like in It or something. Yeah, he's a hefty kid. Yeah, and so they become friends. One of uh, the Drew kid has a dog named Zowie, who's this like beautiful white wolf like oh, husky mix. Yeah, it has. Perfectly crisp blue eyes. Uh, it's like a Malamute, Malamute husky, or I don't know if it's Malamute. It's like it looks like a wolf. Yeah, it's there. There are some scenes where I'm like, that dog looks cool, and then there's some scenes I'm like, is that like a scary? Yeah. Well, they needed a dog that could transfer between the two. Yeah. So this dog has a habit of jumping up on Gus's, his stepfather's rabbit pens. And killing the rabbits or something. So after a while, the Gus dad gets pissed because the rabbits all ganged up on him or something like that. And he scratched his nose up. So they take the dog to Jeff's dad's vet center as he's like cleaning it up. And he looks at him and tends to him. Then the dog gets back up after he puts an electric fence around the goddamn fucking rabbit cage, which I was like, aren't the rabbits going to shock themselves? waiting for the rabbit to jump into the cage and be like, yeah, there was like 15 rabbits in this fucking cage. Like, and they're all like barbed wire, like not barbed wire, but the fucking Chicken chicken fence, chicken wire. Yeah. And it's not like a small, not like a big cage either. It looked very tiny for all the rabbits that he had enclosed in there. I'm like, they're like hopping on top of each other. Right. So in the middle of the night, the fucking dog jumps up, of course, after he gets fixed. Because, of course, Gus doesn't let the dog stay in the house because it's Gus's weird shit. And it's like, he's like, please, please, stepdad, can you just till he heals? And he's like, absolutely not. Dog goes outside. Then, of course, the dog jumps up on the fucking dog on the fucking rabbits well like wouldn't you think that would be the easiest fix (laughs) yeah so anyway so the dog goes out there jumps on the fence figures out how to get to the cage and the the electricity shorts out so then gus hears this in the middle of the night grabs his gun and kills the dog in front of the fucking stepson he shoots it and uh he finds it in the forest and oh yeah he doesn't kill it right away it yelps and then he finds it under a tree, right? Yeah, he finds it under a tree and picks it up and cradles it until it dies. The stepson drew. Yeah, drew. And holds it until it dies, I guess. Yeah, and then he's like surprisingly okay with carrying a dead dog around that's yeah. probably like 50 pounds. I couldn't carry this dog no. around. Like, how the fuck is he doing it? He's wearing it like a stole, like Cruella de Vil yeah. or something like that. <laughs> he put a rope around his neck and was pretending like it was a fake horsey. Put some rocking things on the legs. So Drew tells his new buddy Jeff, who played is played by Ed uh, Edward Furlong, and they go to bury this place because earlier in the movie you find out that he has a cat because they find kittens at his dad's vet place. Jeff Jeff's character, and he keeps one of them, takes him to school, and one of the bullies who's picks on Drew and starts picking on him, and they kind of bond over. They take it to the pet cemetery and put it in a bird cage, and he gets it. It's this huge race scene. Yeah, he That's, grabs the cat and takes off on his. He has like a kind of like a motorbike, and so they're chasing him on his stupid bicycle. Yeah, all the bikes and like a motorbike. Yeah, yeah. So he finally catches up to him, and he like kind of kicks the crap out of Ed Furlong's character. Right. He well, he punches him. He punches the bully in the face. Yeah. So he gets his licks in, but then the bully kind of. 
But this is the the important part is that they show him the cemetery and he realizes where it is and they have a conversation between him and Drew about the cemetery again. He was like, "Let's let's bury him in the cemetery." And he was like, "No, not here. Over there. Over there, up here." And so they go to the burial, the Indian Micmac or the Native American Micmac cemetery and fucking bury the dog. And he's like, "You got to bury your own, you know, so don't help me." Yeah. And they bury the dog. Dog comes back. Demon dog. And it's a demon dog. The dad, the stepdad felt bad for the kid a little bit because he shot him. Yeah. And when the dog comes back that night, he was like, what the fuck are you? You lying to me with a sap story, you piece of shit. And the dog's like covered in dirt and blood and just. I'm like, how do you not realize this dog is not right? And its eyes are fucking glowing? Yeah, his <laughs> eyes are glowing in the dark. It's <laughs> How do you not realize that this dog is not the regular dog? This Wouldn't you is... be a little weirded out if your dog came back from the dead and you brought it into your room, your yeah, bedroom with I'd you? I'd be like, you sleep over there or not even in the house. I would be freaked out. I'm like, you were dead. And they're like talking. They're like, are you sure it was dead? He's like, I carried it around for like day and a half. I'm sure it's dead. Right. So I... Yeah, I couldn't deal with a dead animal that came back to life. I'm like, all right, it's a zombie, kill it. Right, I would be a little nervous about it. I don't know if I would sleep with it in the room. No. Um, so it's this is right before Halloween. Drew wants to go out for Halloween. Of course, Gus says that he can't, but Gus is at work, so his mom tells him he can go out to this party at the pet cemetery to go hang out with his friends. And they, you know, there's drinking and smoking and cigarette smoking, by the way. Yeah, and. His dad comes home early and he finds out that Drew's not in his room after his mom lies and says he's upstairs sleeping and goes to the pet cemetery and all the kids scatter. This is like big party. And they've told the story of the creeds, by the way, from the original pet cemetery movie. You actually see their house, too. Right. They they drive their bikes past the front yard and you see the mailbox that says Creed on it. That's right. Yeah. So they they kind of like go over that again to kind of get you back in the spirit of it and then gus shows up the police officer all the kids scatter and there's a tussle like a fight he like kicks the crap out of his stepson like punches him yeah he punches him like two or three times yeah that's like he's he's about to kill him yeah pretty much he's so angry just destroy him so then doesn't he like push him oh no that's right zowie comes out of the forest out of the blue and jumps up and fucking knocks him down and bites his neck and he was like get him off me no. get him off me drew buddy drew buddy get him off we're bffs now get yeah him yeah yeah you were just trying to kill me i know i was trying to kill you but can you can you take this thing that's gonna tear my fucking throat off Ugh. i'm just kidding sorry so of course gus dies and they're right there by the fucking the barrier the deadfall and there could take him up this fucking hill how i know that's fucking huge gus is like six five it would take four of them yeah he's like six five two hundred and maybe 40 50 pounds and these two one heavy set kid and ed furlong who is not a big boy right carry him and if they're Following the path that they followed in Pet Cemetery, which they showed them yeah, walk, it's almost impossible. It is impossible. Yeah, it, they're gonna throw his body up every every, every step. Yeah, every cut quarry <laughs> corner and stuff like that, and carry him over the dead. It, I'm like, all right. Well, they, and they have this conversation where the they're like, "What do we do? Oh my god, we're gonna get into trouble." I'm like, okay, you tell them that your dad was going to kill you and he started beating the shit out of you, and that your dog saw it happening and thought you were he was trying to protect you, and then bit his throat. Yeah. 
And maybe maybe because he was nervous that he would kill his dog. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, so be truthful. Yeah, just tell, tell him truth. what the fuck happened. Like, why are you fucking? Sc- I mean, but they're kids, so you know, there's that the, whole the whole drinking, the partying. Yeah, they're gonna go alcohol. to jail forever because they're murderers. I'm like, no, you use won't. some sense, dude. <laughs> yeah. So they get it in their heads that it's a good idea to take him up to the fucking pet to the fucking Micmac Cemetery and bury him. And sure enough, he comes back. Which is what I have a problem with. And man, is he kind of funny though? He's kind of funny as he's, he's come back, like at the the dining room table when they're eating the mashed potatoes, and he's like, yeah, and he spits it out, and he starts laughing, right. and they're all laughing, and all of a sudden he's like, no, and he goes serious, and well, it's funny because like Drew has this moment where he's talking about his dad, and he's like, it's weird. He's like, I feel like we're like a real family now. He, I, I asked him if I could go hang out and spend the night at your house, and he was like, yeah, yeah. And I was, like, surprised by that. And, like... I forgot about that scene, yeah. And he was, like, talking about how he's kind of changed and everything. And and it's weird because, like, this is... This character is so much more cognizant. It's almost like it's more him. Yeah, it's more more him. It doesn't feel like he lost who he was. He's just a little off-kilter. Yeah, he's just a little quirky. Yeah, and he's nicer for some reason. Yeah, he's not a jerk. He's like, all right, do whatever. Yeah, I don't care. Right. Which... Like we were talking about in the first one, they buried that guy that died in the war. He came back. He was like a raving murderer. Yeah. He's like, ah, just running around like breaking shit. But he had been dead for a long while. Yeah. He got flown over from a war. Well, that's the thing, too. How long have the cat been dead when they buried it in the first one? Well, I mean, obviously hours matter. So if it was like minutes, like it was minutes. It was minutes, but they also got to think they drug his ass up there. That's got to be a long time. They just allude to the fact that it's (laughs) the soonest someone's die nearest the pet cemetery. Okay. Because in the first one, the mom dies and she'd been dead for hours until he finds out. Yeah, that's true. And then this is the soonest. So he's a little more cognizant, but there's some really genuinely kind of funny moments that he has in this that I did enjoy. he, He was a fun character. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah, he wasn't... Oh, he was also in um, John Dies at the End. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he was in John Dies at the End. He was the guy, one of the other ghost catchers. Okay. Some of the trivia on this is interesting. There's a a really good quality work print that's kind of out there now that you can watch with all the, like, gore scenes intact. Uh, A lot of the graphic uh, violence, including one of the more graphic ones with the drill bit, and I totally forgot about that. Oh, yeah. So I haven't even... I don't think I've ever seen that version. See this? I'm pretty sure this is my first time watching this. You've never seen the second one. I've never seen the second one. Okay, because I, I was watching it. And I'm like, yeah, this doesn't. I don't remember this. So, well, the the movie this time was not made in Maine. It was made in Peachtree, Georgia. Okay, so they kind of changed it around a bit. That might have been the bad juju. juju. <laughs> it's not in Maine. Jason McGuire, who was Drew, was super shy when he made this movie. He'd really never done that much. Up until this point, he did a little bit here and there. Okay. I guess him and Edward Furlong met and became, like, best friends. Okay. Like, in real life, like, they, he, like, kind of showed him the ropes and was like, oh, don't worry, you know, you're going to be good at this. If I can do it, you can do it. And, like, they became really good friends. That's cool. So it was like a, and then they got married. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) Well, good for them. I'm proud. (laughs) Is this after Edward Furlong's drug? Right. Anthony Edwards, his father, Jeff, Jeff's father in the movie. Yeah. He actually met his wife, Janine Lobel, on the set of this film. So it's another... (laughs) Movie romance. Yeah, movie romance in the set of death. Yeah. 
the end credit scenes, they actually both both of these movies have used the Ramones oh. as I thought I recognized that. Yeah, the last track. Okay. And the, yeah, they didn't use the Pet Cemetery song like they did in the first one. And I forgot to mention this, guys, but Stephen King's a huge Ramones fan. Yeah. And he asked them to make a song for the movie. Oh, that's cool. So they, like, literally went over to his house and hung out with him and wrote the song in, like, 40 minutes. <laughs> nice. So apparently that's how it was, and they just did it. Oh, so. runs weren't really known for their musical, their well, diverse, it's, it's diversity, like I would chord, say, yeah. yeah. Two chords, go. <laughs> Part of the reason that uh, Mary Lambert wanted to do this movie, the second one, she said that, quote, I really wanted to get into the idea of what goes on in the teenage boy's head and why they do stupid things, because that's kind of the stupid thing a teenage boy would do. Lewis Creed buries his son because of an intense desire, a feeling of guilt that it's his fault that the boy died, but Edward Furlong's character buries Clancy Brown in Pet Cemetery because he's a teenage boy and he's stupid. For teenage boys, the blood is not going to their brain. It's going to somewhere else. <laughs> Seems kind of harsh, Mary. <laughs> just, just, a, just a little bit there. I mean, I you're know. probably right. That's a thing that they always told I heard when I was a kid. Yeah. But I don't know. In the original script, their bedroom, there was a bedroom rape scene. It was written to be more graphic and more and longer. Okay. So the the sex scene where the the wolf head the wolf head shows up the wolf head has sex with Anthony Edwards because he thinks it's his ex wife who died. Yeah. He and it dreaming. turns into a wolf head, Zowie's head. Yeah. Uh, which is just weird and it was surreal. Very weird. Uh, but the boobs are great. No, they I'm were. They were very nice. <laughs> um, it was a it was a body double. David Goyer actually did um, changes to the script while they were shooting. Okay. He's not credited, though. What did he change? Just just different parts just in the movie. Yeah, that. that he thought that needed changed for the sake of it so that they can make it flow better. Okay. There was a scene where, you remember, they, they go to get the kittens, the leftover kittens? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I was wondering why the doctor didn't go with them. I know. He was like, oh, yeah, just head on back into the fucking Creepy. lab with all the, like, the medicines and things that you could steal and... You know, just go back there. He's your small town, whatever. And then the cats have exploded in the cage because Zowie broke out and just destroyed it. Destroyed it. But apparently, the scene where the mom and the twin daughters going into that room to see the cats uh, is a perhaps they say it's a nod to The Shining, where a set of twins walks down a long hallway with scary results. But I don't personally think that. I don't. I think that's a long stretch. that's That's reaching very, very far. But maybe because of the twins, I don't know. It could have been a, a weird, clever nod, so I just thought it'd be interesting to bring up. Yeah. Um, the arm that they use in the very beginning of the movie where it reaches up to grab his mom before she gets electrocuted. And you can't hit the mark? Yeah. Okay. The, the skeleton arms that keep coming up, did you know that that's the skeleton arm from the pond in It? Is it? Yeah. Th- that comes out when Ben's standing outside? The, the TV movie series. Gotcha. From, yeah. That's cool. Interesting, right? Like, yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting. Might as well use it. That's really cool. It's technically, this movie is in real time, too, by the way, so the events that occur. Um, I don't know if you notice this at the very end of uh, Pet Cemetery 2, or, or not at the end, but when they, when you find out that, what's his name, has dug up his mom to try to oh, God. essentially bring her back. 
Like, the weird thing here is, guys, and the part that's kind of interesting is Gus, the stepdad, first of all, starts going on a killing spree and killing people that he's going to add to his catalog of the Micmac Cemetery, and he buries his own. Well, one of the people that he kills is the fucking kid. The bully. The bully kid. He cuts his face off with a tire, basically. We don't want to talk about that yet. <laughs> um, he buries him up there, and he also digs up the... Or no... The kid digs up his mom. Jeff Matthews, played by Edward Furlong, digs up the kid. Because the cemetery guy's like, I saw him drag it up on out of here, didn't he? I thought he was talking about... Um, Gus. Gus, yeah. Oh, maybe it is. I can't, I didn't catch it. Because I think it was Gus, because he's a sheriff. <clears throat> so he said he didn't think anything of it. Right. Because it's the sheriff. Okay. Well, Gus digs him up. Digs up his mom for him. I guess so. And uh, which, okay, so one of the main things that they say, and they even said it in this movie, you bury your own. Yeah. And it's like, well, that just negated everything. Yeah. It's like an overlaying thing with uh, the movies. Yeah. So the dead buried the dead? Yeah. So that's changed. Yeah. That's like completely different. So I don't know if that just means it's darker. Maybe. Maybe there's a difference if... The dead bury the dead. Well, in any case, the mom comes back, the actress mom, and she is perfect. Everything is fine. Her face is covered perfectly. There's no melty marks on her face or hands. She's no just bloating. No, nothing. Yeah, nothing. She's just perfectly fine, perfectly normal. And Edward Furlong's character, Jeff, is gleefully crazy and makes no sense. It's so dramatic, such a dramatic change. You're just like, what the fuck? And he's wearing a tuxedo. Right. Like, what goes, are you, are you going to go on a date with your mom? Yeah, like, what's going on? Got the dress that she wore to, like, the Oscars or whatever. Maybe, yeah, maybe that was what they were trying to insinuate. But it was just weird. Just It was her big night. Yeah. It's her big performance. She's coming out. Her coming coming back performance. Her second breakout, I guess, of it, the, the ground. And didn't Gus bring her headstone, too? I think so, yeah. It's it was like, I'm, I'm like, what? the hell he just brought the the tombs the headstone he brought her he just brings everything along with him well and yeah that that shit just got all over the place so. I, I know we should have probably mentioned that a little bit but we're getting into the spoiler part so we might as well just get into it now <laughs> we're already head first in yeah we're already there so the reason i brought this up is because if you notice when he dug up when you look at the hole where his mom was dug up anthony edwards character jeff's dad goes out to the cemetery and talks to the groundskeeper and the groundskeeper is like, oh, I saw him drag him out and everything like that. But if you look behind them, it says Creed. Oh, does it? I didn't so see they were, that. So she was buried right next to Creed. Oh, wow. Which makes no sense. Like, I don't know. It's so weird. Which Creed? The family from the first pet cemetery. So all of them are dead there? Somebody, yeah. Somebody is like, I think the mom maybe was buried there or something. Because they, they mentioned Ellie in when they were at the party that she was insane but i don't yeah, know if that but, was a story but either way it said creed i just thought it was something worth pointing it was out. yeah it was probably just a little nod and said, right. hey creeds they're there i don't know if anybody else noticed that but um so do you have any favorite gripes or favorite gripes <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> kind of how it movie. is right <laughs> do you have any favorite scenes or gripes about it um, the best you can the best <laughs> this is it's gonna be difficult i did like the scene with gus at the dinner table Okay. I thought he he was actually a very fun character. When you start he, to like him a little bit more. Yeah. Finally. It's like a breath of fresh air. You you start to like him after he dies. Right. He becomes a more fun character. He's more 
He's more, he's got that animated kind of thing, I guess. He's, sure. He's not as, boy, do what I say, do what I do, blah, blah, blah. He's more like, <laughs> yeah. Kind of reminds I'm, me of a silly, eh, not as silly version of, ever seen Chud 2, Bud the Chud? Yes. That It kind of reminds me of the guy kind of walking around. He's a walking, he's a talking. <laughs> anyway, so it's just kind of a silly version. Yeah. What, what else do you got? Um, go ahead and say what you like. Oh, okay. I got to think about this. Well, I love the rabbit scene where the the dad's like cutting all the rabbits. Oh yeah, he's got them all strung up and scanning. Yeah, like and stuff. it's just like kind of dark. Yeah, and like he's just like there's no emotion whatsoever. It's just like hey, putting on the pants, putting on the cutting yeah. up these rabbits, and they look real. Christine was like, "Is that real?" Yeah, it looked very real. It kind of looked real, and I don't know if it was or not, but I was like, he twists the rat. Just how carelessly he breaks the rabbit's neck yeah, just it's just like and they all kind of look at each other like jesus <laughs> he's hardcore <laughs> yeah he's my fucking hardcore um well i love the part where okay so the bully kid clyde is picking on jeff this time again and he they're driving down the road this is like after gus is dead and yeah so they say so basically jeff is getting chased by clyde on clyde's motorcycle and it's apparent that he just knocks him off the road and then he starts, he tips his bike upside down and starts spinning the wheel with the, the fucking pedal. pedal. And he's like, you ever seen a nose come off? Yeah. He's like, neither have I, but let's find out. And then Gus, you see Gus walk up, Drew's dad, come walking up behind him. And then he's like, go home now Yeah. to, to Edward Furlong. And he's like, I said, go home now. And then he does, he leaves and then the kids like kind of making wisecracks at him, like, "What are you gonna do? You can't touch me. You can't touch me. I'm a kid, you know." Yeah. Blah blah blah. And so Gus fucking starts revving his fucking motorcycle tire, or revving the engine and the tires spinning, and then he just sticks it on his face and just rips it apart. Well, he at first he was toying with them, and he's like, "Oh, I'm just fucking with you, just fucking with you." And then the guy's scarf gets caught in the back oh, tire. Oh, that's right, yeah. And pulls his face into the back of the tire. And he starts laughing. And he's laughing, and he's, he stops for a bit, and he's like, oh, okay, and he just keeps going and rips it up some more. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Funny. It's just nice to see that guy get his just desserts, right? Oh, he's a jerk. Um, there was a part where Gus, uh, another part, one of my favorite parts, is where Gus, Anthony Edwards, and him get into a tussle at Gus's house, and... He's like, pulls out a drill. He's got the beat. Gus has got the jump on fucking Anthony Edwards' character, Jeff's dad, essentially. And he's like, holding a drill close to his head. And he's like, no brain, no pain. Yeah. He's like, think about it. Think about it. (laughs) He's like, so then the dad actually ends up killing Gus and he shoots him in the head, (laughs) doesn't he? He shoots him like under the chin. Right. Yeah. Then he goes outside and. And then he he's like thinks about it for a second, yeah. and he's like, I don't know, I should go back and make sure he's dead. <laughs> so he goes back in and shoots him three more times. And I kind of thought that was funny. He turns around and walks right back in, and you just hear the gunshots. It's just like bang, bang, bang. And then right. He comes back out. He's like, all right, that's good. I mean, if you guys like the first one, I mean, this one's it's 
sort of canon, not really. Not really, no. It's 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 like, you know, if somebody had an idea and it didn't go real well, I wouldn't give this thing high marks, but I would definitely watch it again if I ever watch Pevin Cemetery again in the future here. Just to do the back-to-back Just thing. Yeah, I always do that. Like, it's hard for me not to watch an entire series. There was one scene that, re- another scene that kind of bothered me. Is, oh, okay. Is when the mom and the son are being chased by Gus in the truck and they're driving away in the station wagon. Oh, uh, they yeah. Have, they have no emotions on their face and she is driving like she's on a Sunday drive. She's just like da, 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 driving down the driving down the road and he's barreling on and he pulls up next to him and they're just looking at him. And they're like, what do you want? And it, there's like no emotion. I would have been like freaking out like oh my god what the hell do you want you're trying to run us off the road right and they're just like we never did get to see them huh no because he buried them right he uh no they died they got crushed by that potato truck that's what i'm saying like didn't he take them to go get buried because he uses all the body bags you would i would thought he i just i got the uh, impression it almost seemed like they insinuated the fact that he was going to go back and he's just burying everybody everybody he can to get them on board with the demons or yeah, something. Yeah, they, they never showed him coming back from them. So the last thing you see is her leg hanging out and the blood running down it. And then it, right. it's, he dries off and then crushes the potatoes. That's right, yeah. So you really don't see anything from that. Well, I don't know. I Like I said, I, I, just, I don't know if I like this movie a whole lot, but if you, if you want to see more for some reason and you're just interested, I don't think it's a bad movie. It's not a horrible movie. I've seen so much worse. Yeah. Um, it's just not in line with the first one. I don't know. I'm a little bit more forgiving. Like Kyle from the Laughing Horror Podcast was telling me, he's like, you know, you've changed a lot over the years. You're not like, you're more open to movies nowadays than I think you were before. And I was like, yeah, I think I am. And I was like, wait, what the fuck are you trying to say, dude? (laughs) Like, you're trying to say that I just don't like, or I like everything? Like, no, I'm just very particular, and I'm starting to open my mind, and not everything is crap. And No, I just try to look at it a perspective for other people that may love it. It's like, I'm not trying to shit on it and say that it's bad. It's just, I try to, like, give you an idea, the listener, whoever's listening to us, an idea of whether or not they may want to look at it or not, because I really don't value my opinion as high. So I'm just like, I try to put it into ways, a way that people might, who might hear certain things that I say, formulate their own opinion. They might get an interest in it and might be, right. like, might be like, oh, hey, that actually sounds cool. Or, right, because ultimately, yeah. just because I don't like something doesn't mean that everyone's not going to like everything. Like, that's not the goal here. Is to, like, get a whole bunch of group of fucking people that are like, yeah, Alex is the man. Fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It's more about helping people find a movie that they like. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. That's like, well, I'm going to go back and listen to older podcasts because you've talked about a lot of movies that I've never even heard of that maybe I'll like it and be like, oh, hey, I do have one more thing, though. Go ahead. Okay. So at the end of the movie. Oh, shit. The dad and the son are driving off. Okay. They show the little uh, circles. In with the people that died, kind of like an homage to all the people, and it shows them they're like laughing and stuff. And it was at the end, they're driving off, and it's a, a top shot, like panning away from the road and stuff. And then they're talk. There's a voiceover, and it's talking about death and all that stuff. And it pops up the pictures of people that have died, and I'm just like, are we supposed to like? Remember these people? And- oh yeah, no, no, I do remember that. I when you say pictures, I I thought you were like. I know what you mean. It was just like moments in the movie. Yeah, and it shows the guys and he's laughing and stuff. Yeah, I'm that's like, like a very TV movie thing to do. Yeah, I was like, it reminded me of American uh, Graffiti. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just like, what is this? Am I supposed to like remember these people and be like, oh, I remember the good times we had with these people. Remember when <laughs> Joe like died? And he remember was- when Gus was like breaking that rabbit's neck? <laughs> yeah. I mean, God, what a silly guy Gus was, huh? What a great summer. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, guys, I think we've talked on about this a lot. Um, I know this is a little bit longer than normal, but, you know. But what do you guys think of this? these two movies? Have you seen both of them? Do you like both of them? Do you hate one of them? Do you love the second one over the first one? Shit, I don't know. Like, what do you think of these movies? <laughs> Personally, my favorite is number one. It's got the best. It's not the best movie. No. But it's a damn good movie. It's a, For a Stephen King movie, we've had a, quite a few turds. No. God. that have been adaptations of Stephen King. So this one's actually, I think, in the top five yeah, for really Stephen King adaptation movies, and he's got a lot. So yeah. Anyway, guys, we appreciate you stopping by today on Thursday for uh, our episode. If you haven't already, please do check out the Monday's episode. Uh, we will be returning on Monday for a brand new episode for you guys. Uh, if you haven't already, you can always go check out our horror shots or any of our stuff at longlivethevoid.com. But as a word of warning, if you are going to be out in the middle of the country, perhaps Maine, and your cat or dog get hit by a truck. Or a loved one. Or killed by a loved one um, or step-parent, don't bury it beyond the barrier. It's not a good idea. Bad things will happen. And the spirits will cause your loved ones to die and get picked off one by one. So, whatever you do, don't bury in the Micmac Cemetery. All right? But anyway, guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Josh, thanks for coming on, man. Anytime. I'm loving it. We'll see you guys next time. Next time.